is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Tuesday, November 26, 2019, Season 15, Episode number 90. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And uh, we got a lot of things we're going to hit today. Jerry had a, a, an interesting conversation with our guys over at 105.3 The Fan this morning, Sean and RJ, on their show. We'll talk about some of the things that he said during that interview. We'll also hit up uh, some of some storylines. Nick has his article they write every week uh, detailing the storylines of the opposing team. And this week it would be the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and then Dave's going to get to the Buffalo offense. We're going to give a scouting report on what that offense looks like and how it matches up with the Cowboys' defense, all heading into Thanksgiving Day game, Cowboys versus Bills at AT&T Stadium. How's everybody feeling this morning? Good. Great. Awesome. Good? I feel awesome. Let's jump right in and let's get first to Jerry's interview this morning. Uh, Jerry's been in the, the news, I guess, for the last couple of days pretty big coming off of what he said at the end of the the New England game and had an opportunity this morning to clarify some of that what did he what, what did he say what were the things that were what were bullet points from that interview that were uh, that were of note well I think indirectly he said I'm not firing anyone I mean like he's frustrated he's still frustrated and he sees the room for improvement but you know when when that happens everyone wants to know okay what's the cause and effect of Jerry's upset like is someone getting fired is Jason getting fired is, you know special teams coach getting fired no he's not doing that he's just frustrated and I think that he he didn't back off exactly but he just kind of tried to you know show that hey we got a game in two days yeah, no, I mean, I he didn't back off at all, and I kind of, I guess I appreciated that because I've, I've, you know, I thought a lot of what he said on Sunday night was warranted, and he didn't, he didn't really back down from any of it. He's, I, you know, I feel the same way I felt then. He, he taught, you know, he's like that reflects on me ultimately as the owner and general manager when you have deficiencies, and he even said he's like, you know, praising. Praising how good the New England coaching staff was is obviously a reflection on our own and. To like try to deny that is silly. Um, so he he talked a lot about that, and yeah, I mean he, which I always even as bad as the special teams have been, I always thought it was knee jerk to think that he's gonna fire anybody the Monday after. Like when has he ever done that? They fired Paul Alexander last year during a bye week. They've done stuff like that on occasion, but like people still have a hard time letting go of. This image of Jerry Jones as like the freewheeling, you know, doing crazy trades and firing people on a whim like that hasn't been the case in forever. And yeah. people still act like it is. So uh, but he did say he was like, yeah, it starts with playing well Thursday. And it kind of there was a little bit of like added oomph to that where he was like, yeah, I want to see us play well on Thursday. Everything he said has been warranted talking about the special team struggles and also at the end of the game saying he's frustrated because the talent on this team should not have a 6-5 and five record. They shouldn't be playing the way they are. And I agree with that. I, I think everything he said, there has been value behind it. And I like agree with Dave. I like that he stuck to what he was saying today when he was on 105.3 The Fan and was honest about how he felt. I don't agree with that, actually. But, I mean, yeah. he's the GM, and so, therefore, he's basically saying, I put the I put the food out there. So, I mean, it, you, it should taste good. What part don't you agree with? I 
I don't think this is a talented team, as everyone says. I know I've seen stupid quotes out there that this is a 9-2 and team coached by a 2-9 and staff. I mean, stupid stuff like that. I don't think this is that great of it. I mean, who says who? Says the fans who love the Cowboys and vote them in the Pro Bowl? Says Jerry who pays the check? I just don't think the players are as good as people say. I'm not saying the coaching staff's been great. But I'm not saying this is a an all-world talented team. I think they have a lot of deficiencies there when it comes to this roster. I just think, and we, it was evident Sunday. I think when you look at this roster relative to other teams, I think you would say there are a number of players at different positions that you would rank highly if you were comparing them to other players at that position around the league. And that's where I think the at least the the, but the perception. Be, but would you be right? No, I mean, I mean, I, I, I who, get what who you're knows? saying. I will say this: yeah. there, it's not just fans that are saying it. These are national people who are uh, how about commentators f- about the team. How about think- us? How about us? We spent all training camp talking about how sickly talented this team was. I don't. I don't. But were we right? I I think so. Yeah. I mean, what were we right about Malik Collins? Didn't Malik Collins has like four sacks? Yeah, I think he's a pretty good player. I mean, he's not. He's I mean, not Xavier, a pro bowler. That's what I'm saying. Though we. How many pro bowlers do you need before you're a talented team? No, I just don't think this team, I think it's just an easy crutch to fall back on and say, this is a talented team. I they are they're they're top loaded but they're not on the back end. Didn't the, we have a we had a conversation in the hallway before the Patriots game that was like New England offense Dallas offense how many New England starters are you taking? Right. How what what was the answer? One? Right. Maybe. That, that's irrelevant because of the coach and we all know that like okay that that that's that team is different and we know that. I mean what Bill Belichick is. I'm talking about the other teams. Uh, uh, 30, what's the next best team in the day in, in the day and age where the salary cap so strictly limits like how much talent you can compile on one team like what They're, what don't they have they have a lot of they have a lot of really really good football players but they have some bad players too at the bottom end I said it for 20 years from one to fifty three, they're not as good as other teams, and they they have and that was when you play the Jets and you have all these injuries, then you have to play Brandon Knight and all that. That that's not that's not a good a good team. I mean, they have they don't have backups at receiver. When Amari goes down, they can't function. I don't think there is from one to fifty three a great talented team. They got some top head top end players though that are really good. That's just my opinion. Let me ask you this: Do you think they have sufficient talent to be to be good enough? To be able to go deep into the playoffs, not maybe, and I—that's yeah. all relative to well, when we start talking about how talented they are. But do you think it's sufficient that if other things were were right, that this team could be a deep playoff run type team? I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say that since good since team, they done it. good teams make the playoffs and they haven't beaten a good team yet. So that's it's hard to say. But they they're close to winning these games. They're a player or two here and there from winning these games. It just they haven't yet, but. I mean, I I think that they're they're good enough to win if all falls right. It has to be perfect. It can't be raining. I mean, it's got to be perfect for them. And yeah, that they can be. It just doesn't sit well with me. I mean, this is essentially the same team that did what they did last year. I mean, for the most part, you know, Randall Cobb's here, Robert Quinn's here. So I mean, arguably on paper, you'd say they're better. They're more talented. Yeah. But why aren't and they winning? That's the same stat. That's a, that's a great question. I think that's they're not talented. Back. They are. Ta- they got some talented players. I just don't think this is this loaded roster that that sounds good to just blame it all on the coaching. No, but I think I when you look at the players, players they should still be performing better because we've seen them perform better. I think it just kind of falls more on you're not meeting expectations in terms of what I think of. So whose fault is it? Players and coaches. I think it's players and coaches. Isn't it the same coach? I mean, 
I'm not trying to defend the coaches. I'm just saying it's everybody. It's the coaches of course it and is. the players. Yeah. The, the players have a responsibility to execute, and the coaches have, an oppor- uh, have a responsibility to get them ready. And I think yesterday on the show we detailed quite a few things that, from a coaching standpoint, we think probably the Cowboys could have done differently that right. may have given them a better chance to win this game. Right. So, yes, the coaches have to pay, take their part in that. But when you see guys missing tackles that are in position, that's all about the players. Yeah. So I get and you. It's bo- it goes both ways. I'm not trying to change my tune and put it all on the coaching staff right now. I mean, I'll, you know, people got mad at me earlier in the season because, you know, you look at things that happened in the Saints game and, and the Packers game. Like, how is it Jason Garrett's fault that Amari Cooper bobbles a 40-yard game that turns into an interception? Like, I get that. And, and a decent chunk of it, you know, if I, had to, if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd say it's like 60-40 coaching in my opinion. Plenty of blame to go on the players, but I just think you got to remove quarterback from the equation because it skews everything. But like, if you're looking at the entire roster minus the quarterback, I think 26 or 27 teams in the NFL would take this Cowboys roster over their own, which means they're pretty damn talented, in my opinion. And I I would probably fall somewhere close to that, closer to that than saying that it's not. I really believe it's a talented roster. And and I think that it's it's evidenced by if you go down the list and just say, take this guy versus this guy. More often than not, you look at just the fact they got a quarterback now. They got a top three running back. They got an offensive line with three guys that are all pro caliber players. Now, you can question how well they've played at any point this season, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't change the fact that that's the kind of player that they are. You just start going through that list, and I think you you definitely say there's talent here. You might be right. The lower part the of the of the of the roster may be holding them back, and that's a great point. But I still that I still don't think that means they're not talented. I think they're talented. They just may not have enough to overcome other deficiencies. Yeah, they don't have the depth they probably need, but their starters are so strong that if everyone can be healthy and yeah. play to their top ability, then this is a team that's unstoppable. But you're they they just haven't for whatever reason, whether that is coaching or players with execution they haven't been able to find the balance to get the job done which you can't have one without the other right like it i mean special teams was bad on sunday jerry jones himself said that's 100 percent a reflection of coaching i thought goose goslin had a great tweet on monday morning though the patriots employ four pro bowlers on their special teams like four guys i mean matthew slater's made pro bowls for being a special teams beast so you can't have one without the other. Yeah, like Bill Belichick deserves a lot of credit for that, but they're playing really good you know, players on special teams, you know, too. You know how you talk about any sport, you know, those players that they just say they got that it it factor? They just have that that thing. They don't know how to quantify it. It's just they have that something. You never really say it when you don't have it. You know, like no one ever says, well, they just don't have the it factor. And that's what I don't think this team has. They don't have that. You know what? When it's down, when it's third and four, you kind of Collectively or, or individuals don't have it. Both, really, because the individuals make up the whole. I mean, like, who who really has it there? Like, this team doesn't. Last year, they were winning these close games. This year, when it's really time to make a play, like, got to have it right now. Yeah. Those clutch no, moments. No one's doing it. Individually. Dak's not even doing it. As great as Dak's playing, they need him to make this throw right here to make this play. Well, in. that's evidenced by the fact that they've had opportunities to get those come from behind wins at the mm-hmm. end of games this year, and they haven't the done Jets. that by and large. Yeah. Individually, yeah. I I mean, we've seen it from Dak. We've seen it from Cooper. But, I mean, Jason Garrett loves to say, like, oh, the, that team's totally different. This is Team 59 or whatever. Yeah. Well, Team 59 doesn't have it. I agree with that this completely. Team 60. Sorry, Team 60. My bad. 
Don't get Nick started. I know, I know, I know. He, no, trust me, I know he said that on purpose. <laughs> that is that is a that I'm not is taking not a shot at you. I'm just happy. letting know this is this is Team 60. <laughs> it is. You're right. It is. Oh, you're, right, Nick, the, you're right. You're right. We, shot at we me. agree with you. We agree. With you. All right, we're going to take our first break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the storylines heading into this game. Nick has this article that he does every week. We'll do that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this... the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Ready? Okay. Give me an S. S. Give me an O. Just okay is not okay. Whether it's cheerleaders or your wireless network, AT&T is America's best wireless network. Best network based on GWS1 score September 2019. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Um, We're going to talk about some storylines, Nick. Okay. Tell me a little bit about this uh, Buffalo Bill team. Okay. I'm going to try not to step on Dave's toe. He's going to talk about the offense. But their storylines, I mean, obviously, they're 8-3, and three and their fans can't believe it. Uh, the first time they've been 8-3 <laughs> and three since 1996. I mean, Maybe their fans thought this was going to happen. Well, they're just excited about okay. what they have. Uh, it's been they're a crazy. while since they've gone this far. Now, that year they did go 8-3. and The last time they went 8-3, and three, they only finished 10-6, and six, stumbled into the playoffs, lost in the playoffs. So they're hoping for better than that. Hmm. They're going to have to probably be a wild card team because they're not going to beat the Patriots. 8-3 and three is where they are right now, and everyone's excited in Buffalo. Now, why the national media is not excited is because the same knock on the Cowboys is they haven't beaten anyone. Buffalo hasn't beaten anyone either. They don't have any big wins. Give them credit for being 8-3. and three. There's no doubt about it. Their schedule percentage, I looked this up, is uh, 33% of the teams that are, are their opponent's winning record, 40-81. and 81. So oh. they're only winning 33% of the time. Their best win is a six and five over a six and five Titans team. It's the only team they've beaten with a winning record. So they're taking advantage, like the Cowboys are taking advantage of a, of a weak schedule and beating them. They just haven't faced those other teams, uh, and they got 
they got their ass kicked at home by the Eagles. So that's that's one thing to look at. You get after them, Josh Allen. They kind of struggled. This is the return of Cole Beasley, Little Elm, Texas, right up the road. He's coming back for Cole. for Thanksgiving. He's little compared to other football players. He's little, but he's been a really good player in this league. He's second on the team in receptions and receiving yards and touchdown mm. catches. Uh, he's doing what Cole Beasley did. Now we can Saucy. talk later about where that ranks with Randall Cobb. We'll probably have a story on that. Um, also, um, Frank Gore, he just passed. This doesn't seem right. I'm sorry. But Frank Gore just passed Barry Sanders on third on the all-time rushing list. He's a Hall list. of Famer. So what happens when you play for 30 years. I don't know if he is a Hall of Famer. He, if he's third all-time, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. No okay. doubt about it. Okay. If um, Frank Gore's not a Hall of Famer, then Jason Witten's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's, he's going to be whatever that's worth. I mean, if he's third all, all that's, time, that's not accurate. if he's third all time, he's in the Hall of that's Fame. There's no, that's an opinion. There's no doubt. I'm no doubt in my mind. But like, you could argue. Greatest running backs of all time, greatest tight ends of all time. Is Witten make the conversation? Because the NFL just did, had a list of top 100 backs or top 12 backs. I mean, he's nowhere on it. No. I'm just saying, if you're always available and can play at a high level for a super long time, you'll put together a Hall of Fame resume. Frank Gore did at running back. Jason Witten did it at tight end. I mean, Rob Gronkowski obliterated most of what Witten did in like a third of the time because of his he's a freak. And but mm-hmm. the, I mean I'm not knocking Witten, but it's more about longevity than eye popping production. And I think the thing about Gore is Gore is not he's never been the kind of running back that was just gaudy. Like he had this uh-huh. one thing he did that was so spectacular. But the fact is his greatest skill was that he was healthy enough to play for as long as he did and it was productive for many, many, many years, and that's going to get him in the Hall of Fame. You're well, the best you know, abilities that's just like uh, your opinion, man. The Thank Bills, you, Big Lebowski. Um, the Bills' defense is second in the and actually third in the league in total defense. Uh, points allowed, they're really good. Turnovers, though, they are just even. They have 14 or 13 takeaways and 13 turnovers, so they're not like getting the ball away. They're just they're just sound. They're just a sound team, and you, and you put a bad offense out there, and they're going to beat them. So. They've been good. They, they've taken advantage of this schedule. I, I think that they're a quality team, but I think the jury's still out on when they face teams that are that are pretty good. Don't know what type of team you're going to face Thursday, if this is a pretty good team or a talented team or a team that doesn't have depth or whatever. But I'm just saying, give them credit for their eight wins, but I don't think they've been tested yet. Yeah, it's a perfect segue. I mean, the Buffalo Bills are a perfect example of like what can happen when you just do what you're supposed to do. And I don't want to knock them too much because you just play who's in front of you. But yeah, Nick Nick said it. Their record, the combined record of their wins is they're 19 and 57. They haven't played really anybody. And the the handful of like quality team. I mean, the Eagles aren't even a quality team. The Eagles beat them pretty bad. They beat the Titans, who are six and five. They won that game fourteen to seven. I actually looked that up. Um, the only games this year where they've hit the thirty point mark were both against the Miami Dolphins. Mm. Uh, they, the Cowboys' offense does what it's supposed to do. They've scored twenty points or fewer in six of their eleven games. Mm. Like they're winning games fourteen to seven, twenty to three against Denver the other day. Uh, they lost nineteen to sixteen to the Bills. Like it's it's to the Bills. I'm sorry, the Browns. Got excuse me, Cleveland. That's yeah. the game I watched. I couldn't watch the Denver game because all twenty two is not up until Tuesday afternoon. Usually, it's a short week. Um, but so credit all credit to them. They handle their business. Their resumes is, is kind of thin, but. They have an 83% chance to make the playoffs as it stands right now just from handling their business. Yeah. And once you get there, who knows what can happen. Um, there's not a ton in the skill player department that freaks me out here. Um, it, it just is what it is. Um, 
You got Frank Gore, who is a Hall of Famer, but he's averaging 3.9 yards. He's he's just a tank. Like he 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 does the up the middle stuff, Thunder style, the the obvious running situations. Uh, your wide receivers are John Brown, who's super fast, um, super not well rounded, but he is a deep threat. Uh, Cole Beasley, who's your slot guy, and then. They honestly just sort of have a rotating cast. I was surprised when I looked at them. I was like, there's no way these guys run three receivers because they don't have any receivers. Like after John Brown and Cole Beasley, you're talking about Isaiah McKenzie. You're talking about Andre Roberts, who's a special teams ace, but not, you know. Go Andre Reed. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. He's a Hall of Famer. It's peerless Still hanging around. It's peerless price on this team. <laughs> no, he's not. Peerless but it, I mean, <laughs> former Cowboy. Right after John Brown, who let's honestly, you probably only know John Brown from fantasy football. Yeah, like he was stuck in Arizona for forever, and you knew he could run, and you knew yeah. he could run. Uh, after John Brown and Cole Beasley, it's a who's who of like, huh? So I'm I'm like, there's no way these guys play 11 personnel. They actually do, but they mix and match. Sometimes it's McKenzie, sometimes it's Roberts. They use Dawson Knox as basically a big receiver. You might remember him from the draft process. He's white Evan Ingram. I mean, it's I mean, the, the, oh, the similarities are really weird. Like they both went to Ole Miss. They both wear 88. They both have the same game. They're like athletic tight ends who can scoot. And, you know, you're not counting on them to wham the nose. Has Dawson, uh, Dawson Knox scored a touchdown. Because I know that was the thing in college, right? At Ole Miss, he was this prospect, all that. He never mm-hmm. scored a touchdown. That's a good point. In, t- in his entire college career? Uh, probably high school, but not in college. I'm wow. pulling it up. I'm pulling it so, up. So, you know. Not a goal he's line got, threat. He's got two. There you go. But that the fun, I mean, <laughs> he's on the board. He kept the ball. <laughs> no, check this out though. Seriously, John Brown's caught fifty-eight balls. Cole Beasley's caught forty-nine, and then Dawson Knox is third with twenty-two. Oh wow! That's I mean, this is so you keep up with the little guys, and you can. This is a this is sort of like a let's just see how we can get it done type of offense. Yeah. Case in point, do they predominantly do three wide? Is that their sixty-five percent? Yes. Okay. I mean, a lot, but again, like it ain't. It ain't Cooper, Gallup, and Cobb where yeah. you're like, ooh, they got three guys. It's like, here's their one guy, here's their deep threat, here's their where's, slot guy, and they kind of make it work. Where's that other there. back? Isn't he in there? Yeah, we're didn't, gonna we're gonna him? talk about Sorry. we're gonna talk about Devin Singletary. Singletary. I'm yeah. I'm said Montgomery. Singletary. I have a big I have a big crush on Devin Singletary. I can tell on Twitter you he's loving him. He's fun, man. He they drafted him this past year out of Florida Atlantic. He was a draft show favorite. Uh, he's he's really fun to watch. He's a, he's you know five eight tiny guy, but he is deceptively powerful. He is deceptively his game speed is much better than his time speed. He you're not taking him down on first contact. He's slippery. He doesn't offer you a clean hitting surface. He's averaging five point eight yards per carry. He's averaging six and something yards per catch. I don't get why they don't mm. throw him the ball more yeah. often. Where did they draft him? What what round? He fell because of his time, uh, actually 7.2 yards per reception. Here we go. He was drafted in the third round. Uh, people were talking about him as a fringe first rounder, and then he ran a four, six, five, and dumb people took over instead of just watching the tape. Um, he's kind of Tony Pollard like, yes, he can. I mean, they which again, they don't throw him the ball enough. He's got 17 catches on the year. I would be throwing this guy the ball all the time, assuming he can catch. Maybe he can't. I only watched one and a half games. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, he's he's Camara like in the sense that he's his balance is outstanding. He's gonna slip off the first contact. So again, that sounds like something that's given the Cowboys problems, does it not? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Frank Gore is the guy that's going to the Hall of Fame. Devin Singletary, for my money, is the second most 
problematic weapon for the Bills. The first being Josh Allen. Um, and not because he's this amazing thrower of the football, honestly. He's fairly average. He's completing 60%. He's averaging 200 yards per game. But he runs. A lot? A lot. Uh, he's averaging 60 rushing yards per game. He's at three. Oh, wow. He's at 387 on the year. Again, if you play fantasy football, you probably know he's got seven rushing touchdowns this year, too. Like, they're not that they're, – they're dicey in the red zone, and he's kind of their cheat code where, you know, he'll do the quarterback draw, he'll do the read option. He scores from 5, 10, 12 yards out. Seems kind of useful, right? Maybe – Maybe like something the Cowboys could consider doing, which seems I, like something they faced a few weeks ago that they didn't really have an answer for. Well, I actually put some of that on Dak too, because he. I mean, go back and watch that third down play. Could have run. He could have run. He needs to be more aggressive as well. I mean, I know we're getting to that later, but I'm just saying. Yes, the coaches need to do a better job because he needs to design runs. But when it's there, he also needs to know that he's bigger than anybody number seventy eight, and he Take needs it. to run by him. I looked this up just for the. Just to cover my bases, because I was like, well, Allen, Allen's really athletic. That was part of his scouting report coming out of college. Maybe he's a better athlete than Dak. He ran a 4.75 in the combine. Dak ran a 4.79. So it's a pretty it's comparable. comparable. Yeah. And in one game, I mean, you know, he runs the quarterback draw often. It works often. He's he's really good when he scrambles. He extends plays, and he's got the speed to turn the corner and scramble for 6, 7, 10, 12 yards. That's that terrifies me. And they do run the read option with him, too, because they have two running backs that you have to account for. He does that stuff. You know, Again, that, your point, Jeff Driscoll killed these guys, and I'm terrified Josh Allen's going to do the that's same. That's what mm-hmm. I was going to say. It's, it's the guys that you're not expecting, but yet, if I remember, Sam Darnold had a couple of big runs up the middle. Uh, Daniel Jones, I think, did that. Um, I know Aaron Rodgers had, had a few as well. So it's, it's, you know, if they were to face like Lamar Jackson, which they have to next year, you know, that's going to be a completely different animal. You know, like who's going to be the spy and all that. But it's when you just think, yeah, we got this guy. That's the guys that hurt him. I will say this, and I noticed this in last week's game against the Patriots. They spied Dak a lot. There was a lot of times when you saw Dak in the in the pocket, and there was a guy, and as soon as he'd take a move to the right, there was a linebacker you would immediately notice would take that move to the right with him. Uh, it makes me wonder, again, if you're looking at the comparisons between these two quarterbacks, and obviously they use him a lot more in the running game than, than the Cowboys use Dak. Should the Cowboys go into this game thinking maybe we do need to dedicate somebody to keeping up with him, especially when you look at their receivers and you say there's nothing there that really scares you? Maybe you should take another resource and have him and have him shadow him. Here's another thing I noticed too that makes me feel good about this matchup for the Cowboys is at this stage in his career, I think Allen's still pretty limited as a passer. And one thing I noticed is he's this is an exaggeration, but like he's only good in the film that I've watched. Like the receiver has to present him a target, like curl routes, crossing routes, screens, anything where the receiver can turn himself back and present himself to the quarterback. Josh Allen can do that. When it comes to leading guys, back shoulder balls, anything where like you, the, it's on the quarterback to get the receiver open more so, it's not very good. He sails throws, he overthrows people. His accuracy is an issue, in my opinion, which, I mean, he's completing 60% on the season. I think a lot of that is because they're scheming easy throws for him. Like, time and time again, dig routes, crossing routes. Cole Beasley does a lot of stuff coming over the middle and presenting his numbers to him. And then you watch him take shots down the field, and it just, like, the ball's, like, sailing upward. Just He just doesn't have his touch 
fine-tuned. And I think part of that's because he's got such a cannon. And I'm sure he'll take some huge shots in this game because he's got John Brown and he does have a huge arm. But his downfield accuracy leaves a lot to be desired. And so the reason why I say I think that's good for the Cowboys is we always complain about, well, they don't play the ball. They, you know, they're not aggressive. Well, that could suit you well in a situation like this to where if he can only throw those types of routes, as long as you rally and tackle, it's probably not going to kill you. So I think that's a silver lining at least. Let's take our first, second break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about this offensive line, uh, specifically how they match up against a front like the Cowboys where they have some guys that can get after the quarterback a bit. Talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Just okay is not okay. Whether it's cheerleaders or your wireless network, AT&T is America's best wireless network. Best network based on GWS1 score September 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for tailgating with the Otterbox boys. Otterbox, the company that builds wildly overproductive phone cases? The one and only. But cases are just the start. Otterbox is the official outfitter of tailgating. If they can keep my phone safe, what can they do for my parking lot party? How about protecting your beverages from suboptimal drinking temperatures with their elevation tumblers? And Otterbox elevation tumblers come in three sizes. A 10-ouncer, a 20-ouncer, and even a 64-ounce ground. Check out all the colors and sizes of their Elevation tumblers at OtterBox.com. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this... the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. Hey Cowboys Nation, this season when the Cowboys win, you get to experience the sweet taste of victory because if the Cowboys win, the next day Duncan is offering a free medium hot or iced coffee. So don't just celebrate the Cowboys success from the sidelines, head to Duncan and treat yourself to real victory because this season Cowboys fans aren't only winning on game day, they're winning the next day too with a free medium coffee. Cowboys Nation runs on Duncan. Excludes cold brew. Limit one per guest. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break live from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Nick, tell us something interesting. Well, there's Christmas at the Star. It kicked off last weekend, and it's going to be every Friday and Saturday until uh, right up until Christmas. This week, uh, it's presented by Albertsons and Tom Thumb. This week, this week, they're going to have some pretty good tree lighters. One of tree them, lighters. I is think that what we call going them? to the Hall of Fame, and Jason Witten will be there with his family. I don't nice. think Frank Gore will be there, but I do think Jason Witten will be there. Salty. <laughs> maybe Frank's sticking. Not maybe salty. he's going to hang back after the game, and he maybe might. he's going to come, and him and Witten together will light the tree. Who knows? Um, Honestly, they might go in together. For more information, Good point. visit the star Frank in Frisco.com. No, they're not going in together because Witten will be first ballot, and Gore will have to fight through three or four years No, he won't. He's the third most leading rushing Say it better Running than back. that. <laughs> <laughs> the third most leading rush. Ranks third on the all-time rushing list. Yes, yes. And so that's, he's and getting that's, in first ballot. Hey, here's Jerome ballot. Bettis was first ballot, right? I think so. If Jerome Bettis is first yeah. ballot, then... What's Frank Gore's I mean, nickname? 
Uh, Frank Gore. I don't know. He doesn't need one. <laughs> That's the thing, though. The wheels on the ramp bus go round. Right, you got a bus. The got bus. a commercial. Yeah. Yeah, you just got Frank. Frank's Gore. getting just, in first. He's just been Frank. Emmett he, Smith never he, had a Frank nickname. is okay. Frank the Tank. Beat Emmett Smith's rushing record, and you will be. He, he seems like hey, he's going to try. Three more years. Dude. Dude, he needs three not more retiring. years at 1,000 yards, which 1,000 yards in today's NFL is not hard for a running has back he, that's good. It's hard he, for him. Has I mean, he been getting 1,000 yards? How many has he been getting the last few years? He hasn't, Seven, eight. he hasn't had one in four years. He hasn't hit 1,000 since 2016. Where is he now, right like here. eight, seven? He's at 540 right now. That's he's he's going to get to probably 750. He serves a purpose in this offense, but he's averaging 3.9 yards per carry and 49 yards per game. So he like, probably need realistically he probably needs five more seasons. He realistically, might, he ain't he doing ain't it. He might, he might. Can he get two? He might get Walter. Yeah, he might. Well, Walter's at 16. But two seven. We were sort of having that debate over the, on the break. It's like there's there's transcendent talents, and sometimes they play for a flash. But I mean, Barry Sanders played what like eight nine seasons, ten ten. I think I think ten years. Calvin Johnson. I mean, is Calvin Johnson for my money is like probably this one of the single most talented receivers that's ever existed. But did he play long enough to deserve to be in How the Hall of Fame? How many years did Gail Sayers play? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he didn't play a long time. Was seven, but, eight uh, years? There's two types of Hall of that's Famers. Making, I don't know. Not to backtrack, but Jerome Bettis didn't make it his first four times. Damn. First four times. Okay. okay. Well, that hurts my argument a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just there's two types of Hall of Famers. There's yeah. transcendent talents, and there's dudes who just played at a high level for a freakishly long time. I just I just think when you have a running back at a high-profile position like running back, and you're talking about a, one of the loftiest goals, which is actually being the leading rusher in NFL history, if he's number three on that list, I just have a hard time thinking that he's not getting in the Hall of Fame. And certainly, I have a hard time thinking he doesn't get in early, like first, maybe second ballot. But I, I think he, I think it's no-brainer he's getting in. Yeah. All right. I agree. All right, let's get back to let's get back to our uh, to our, our scouting report. Talk to us a little bit about their offensive line and how they match up against the Cowboys defensive front, particularly uh, the pass rush of the Cowboys defensive front. This is, you know what? I don't have their sacks allowed, but I mean they they get by. Their offensive line gets by, and I think I mean Josh Allen is athletic, and that helps. Like he's good at scrambling, he's good at buying time. He's he doesn't get murdered back there. I thought. Um, the Browns did Scott, I keep doing that. The Bills did a decent job against Miles Garrett. This was before Miles got himself suspended for the rest of the year. But he did Bye I mean, guys. he ripped around that corner a couple of times and and Josh Allen did not have fun. He took a couple helmets in the back. So um And they also didn't have uh, the Browns don't have I don't think the I don't think the caliber of the Cowboys pass rush. Would you agree with that? Have they faced a team that had as many guys that can get after the quarterback as the Cowboys. The Eagles can get after yeah. teams, and they they got after the. I don't know yeah. what the sacks, but you know against the Jets they got ten sacks in that yeah. game. So the Eagles, no, they have, the Eagles have pass rushers for sure. Um, let's see the Bills. Bills rank. I mean, twenty four sacks allowed, in the middle of the pack. Yeah, they I mean, and they get it done. And I, a lot of it is the athleticism of their quarterback. They drafted Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. I think they're working on it, and that goes. Working on fixing the line is my point, which goes back to what I was saying about the roster at the top of the show is like the Bills have a better record than the Cowboys. I think they would gladly take the Cowboys roster like top to bottom, like this offensive line, these receivers, defense. Well, we'll get to the defense tomorrow. Their defense is pretty nice. Yeah, they're pretty stacked on defense. All things considered, I still think they would. Yeah. (laughs) Their offensive line, do they trip? Um. 
Probably, but they don't. Got to find a way to get that in. They don't get called for it on third and one. Most people don't get called for it. No. What about twice yeah. in a game? So I've been called nine times this year. Yeah. Two of those times, one game. No, I didn't see any trips. Okay. But I didn't see any no, trips wait, in the what, Cowboys. <laughs> I'm talking anywhere. about the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, know, I know. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I, I mean, Always makes you feel good, you know? Like when it's like. Well, you know, three days later, you're like, wow, maybe it wasn't a trip. Do you feel any better when the league said, <laughs> no, 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 well, when the league said that, you know, we missed those calls? I don't really feel any better. That doesn't make no. any difference. It's no. no different than when the league came out, what, three years later and said, Dez actually caught the ball. Like, yeah. that's what? worse to Thankfully. me. Like, don't don't tell me. Like, it's just, it's bygones. Let's just, we'll just all uh. agree to disagree and we'll keep moving because it just, it's not, it doesn't serve anyone's purpose. Something really makes me, something makes me deeply uncomfortable talking about calls because, and, and, and it was a bad call. That's not what I'm saying, but it's just, there's so many variables that go into whether you win or lose a football game, and the refs are so consistently atrocious. And unless you're absolutely serious that you're going to stop watching because it's so bad, then yeah, who cares? What's the point? No, yeah, I, yeah, I know. the The first tripping call was might have been worse than the second as far as how it affected the game. And I know people remember the end and all that yeah. stuff, but if you remember, if you go back, the first tripping call put them back mm-hmm. to second and twenty two. They didn't get anything there. Had to punt. Of course, it got blocked. So they were about to be, I think, at you know, second and eight, second and seven. Could have been a completely different series there. Maybe don't get the punt blocked. So both of those were really big. That first uh, one where he slid into Tyron Smith's knee. Yeah. Same guy. <laughs> well coached. <laughs> Josh well Allen. Done. Josh Allen and Devin Singletary, I think, will be the reasons why the Bills would win this game on offense. Play well enough on offense to win. But I also, I mean, the stats, the stats say it. They've hit 30 points twice against one of the worst teams in the league. 20 points or fewer half the time. I just, if they score 24 points, that's a fail for the Cowboys. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a team, I think you can hold them to somewhere between 14 and 20 points, but they've also proven that they can win these games. They're 3-3 three and three when they do that. So their defense, haven't had a chance to look at them yet, but their defense is clearly pretty good even though the level of competition is questionable yep all right let's get a couple phone calls before we end the show we got a call from horace in atlanta horace what up hey what's up guys hey man how you doing hey good uh i I disagree with nick earlier about uh the talent on this team because i do think they do have talent i think that the issue is coaching i think that when you lose a game by seven points or less that's coaching because your team is at look at last night talented team on both sides they just got blown out wasn't coaching they just could not play with them you know, but when the game is close, your coaches make plays that your team can either get over the hump or fall under. And Dak is one that is not going to call his own number. He's not going to. He's going to follow whatever the coaches say. And you know, also. So, Horace, real quick. So, I, I don't remember you calling last year, telling me how great Garrett was. Was he great last year? He's been great. No, I have called but, many times. Let me tell but, you. But was I've he been. great last year? He had to have been great last year because they were winning all those close games. So they were great last year, and now he's not so good. Is that what happened? I called for Garrett to be fired in Dak's first year. But wait, they were winning close games. Playoff game. They were the winning playoff, close games. It doesn't know. They were they were they had. Todd, Dak was running. They were. He was moving. They haven't run. I haven't seen any rollouts. I haven't seen any. Uh, linebacker run blitzes. I haven't seen. But Horace, Horace, stuff. hold on just a second, Horace. I uh-huh. think the point that Nick's making is you just said, your argument was that 
when it when you're winning close games, that's about the head coach. Last season, they won a lot of close games, and the argument Nick is making is based on your argument that would mean Garrett had to do his job well last year, right? The play calling in that moment to help you get to get to that point would be better than it is right now. I, I don't understand. Say it again. Okay, so you got a new offensive coordinator right this year, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, completely different. This is this man's first year calling plays. So you had a completely different – you had a seasoned offensive coordinator. Now, now, I'm not saying that he's good at utilizing Dak's talent, but he is good enough to make sure your team is winning in crunch time. Now, that's two different skill sets, correct? So, so, wait, so you're saying – you're, you're, you're talking about the offensive coordinator. So you're saying that last year the, the reason why they were winning those close games is because the offensive coordinator. And so you're pointing more to the offensive coordinator this year not doing his job. That's your argument. That's my, my argument is, is that whoever's calling the plays – in the last minute to put the team in a position to win the game isn't doing their job. And, and I'm not saying that, that uh, the new guy needs to be fired or anything like that. But what I'm saying is at some point it all falls on the head coach to say, hey, I want to run here, I want to pass here, I want to roll out or something. I've seen film where Bill Parcell said, you know what, I want to run the ball. Peyton tells him, okay, Sean Payton says, I got you, I got you. And Bill is yelling at him, I want a run, you know. And that is what he's not saying to play, but he's telling him what he wants him to do. All right. And I don't know if Garrett is doing that. All right, thanks for the call. Was, you know what, Garrett said yesterday that he's not doing that. Yeah. To be honest with you, he really said that he doesn't feel like he, he should get in, into the play caller's head that much. He said that in yesterday's press conference. He said conference. you don't want to interject in that situation too much. I don't like that. I, I, was, I was like, you, you don't? No, you don't coach. have to interject the whole time. You just say, you know what? This is four down territory. We have we're down here. We haven't been down here all. That's the head all coach's day. job, right? I He's agree. managing the team, to, including the coaches, and making sure that they know what his plan is. Yeah. Which right? we didn't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, just not trying to argue with the caller, but this is so much more than just a black and white thing. And so, to me, I just don't don't feel like you can just come in and say. When they lose these close games, it's on the head coach because history has shown that this team has actually been better in these close games. And Jason Garrett, that's one thing he's actually been pretty good at. And I don't think people give him credit for that. Of course they don't. So let's don't let's don't just say it's completely because of this. I mean, it, it's got to be. It, there is more to it than that because that argument doesn't hold up well. And if they beat the Bills in overtime on Thursday, no one's going to say he did a great job. So that's not. It's not just that. But he is right about, I think they need to do a better job of saying, play more than one play at a time. Two or three plays ahead, we've got to get four yards. So don't call a stupid pass where he rolls out and throws it to Shannon Gross in the in a corner over here. <laughs> Actually run a play where we can get more yards. We didn't Shannon even, would have caught that. special. He would have caught that. <laughs> we didn't even sure. get into the analytics conversation, which I would like to have a segment on that. But, yeah, yeah. I mean – it doesn't, you know, Garrett, you know, to paraphrase, Garrett and Jerry both said, you know, they don't consult that stuff during the game. And it seems way too reactionary. I just I just thought about this while you were talking is like one of Garrett's favorite phrases is the only thing that matters is what we do now. And it's great. And and to a degree, I, I like it. It's like, yeah, like, don't worry about the past. Worry about what you can do next. But maybe you need to make some informed decisions before you make them. You know what I mean? Is like. You need to be. You're not like, all right, we're going to kick this field goal because it's fourth and seven. You need to be like, we can't be in fourth and seven. Right. We got to be 
better than that. And that the only thing that matters is what we do now. It's just kind of like you're so reactionary. You're never right. thinking one to two to three steps ahead. Or and I think it bites them. Or we haven't moved the ball to this point on the <laughs> field the entire most of the game. We're down here now. we got to take advantage of the opportunity. So let's think about how we get these plays called to be able to put ourselves in the best position and to get us a touchdown because we cannot take a field goal here because we don't know if we're going to get back to this point. And, right. and if you think about it, Garrett basically just kind of told you about what he thinks about the analytics because if he doesn't want to be telling Kellen Moore that this is a four-down territory, <laughs> he certainly doesn't want some guy up in you know up in the, the box saying 83% of the time they right. actually who run majored in, Who majored no, in mathematics. Like, no, he doesn't, need no, that. He doesn't yeah. want that if he right. doesn't think Kellen Moore can say this is four-down territory. <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate you joining us. We're back tomorrow. We're going to wrap up this whole dis- uh, discussion about Cal. Cowboys versus Bills. Get you guys ready for the Thursday game. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Danny Sarek, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about that?